Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's up? Uh, one thing that is exciting and not exciting is I am going to Kentucky this weekend. Uh, for my uh, fiance's cousin's wedding, but not exciting because we have to be back. Before. I can't stay in Cincinnati and watch the game. I'm actually going to be watching it on my phone while my fiance drives. <laughs> That's how I'm going to know. Yeah, because we have to go get the dog out of um, his doggy, uh, whatever they call it, the indoor, outdoor. We'll call it a retreat. The the hotel. <laughs> the doggy hotel. Uh, nobody could watch him this weekend because uh, some of the people that normally watch him are going with us to the wedding because they're family. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll be in Kentucky. This is my first time really actually going, being like Lexington area. Uh, but then I'm also like, man, this feels so lame that I can't even just like go to a Cincinnati sports bar and watch the game or uh, something I, I'm going to be watching on my phone as I drive through the city <laughs> or well, yeah. my fiance drives through the city. I'm not watching and driving. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I do like to watch the game on my phone because I get nervous watching them that it's just easier to watch it on the ESPN app where I can see the football, see the field. Position. I am not, I am not doing that. I, I am not going to do that. What are you going to do? You follow it on Twitter. I'm going to find a stream. I'm going to find an actual stream and watch it on my phone. I have, um, well, I, I have the Sunday ticket and I can watch that oh. on my phone. Yeah, so. no, you're you're set. You're not going to be watching it the very lame way that I would if I was in a car when I just can see the football field to see. Oh, there's Joe Burrow for a first down over there. No, that's that. I don't. I don't recommend that. But well, hopefully they win while you're on the road, and um, you'll be here soon. You said you're coming to town for the Bills game. I am. Yes, uh, that was a little scary. Probably last week, after it seemed like this team might not pull it together. <laughs> in time but uh a little more optimistic about that being a real good game when i go this time um i don't know if more people are going it felt like a lot of people went to that rams game which cool game to go to but preseason then before the season i was like nah that game probably is gonna stink Mm -hmm. it was what it was but i kind of want to go back (laughs) because you watched the tape and there's so many different feelings and, and good feelings i'm sure that you you went back and you watched this offense we can get to the defense in just a moment but I heard this. I, I want to say maybe Jake Lisco said it on Lockdown Bengals. I, I could be wrong, but I heard it just in the last 24 hours about how different you feel after 
it, maybe it wasn't Jake. Jake, I apologize if it wasn't you, but I love listening to the pod. Um, that you felt different after the Rams win versus when they beat Arizona. I know a lot of people are looking at the opponent and saying, well, Arizona only had one win. The Cincinnati Bengals only had one win at the time when they played them. I feel so much different than I thought I would, even if they would have just been able to win against Arizona. It was the way we saw Joe Burrow out there, the return of Joe Burrow. And look, I'm sure the calf isn't 100% yet. We don't know the percentage on it. Um, he was going to the sideline after every series and putting that piece of technology on it. I know the sideline reporter talked about that and the technology piece would be hooked up to a computer and it would just tell you everything that's going on with your calf, which is absolutely crazy, but it's 2023. Um, so, you know, to be determined when, when Joe gets back to practice tomorrow, we'll see how he's feeling, but you went back and you watched the tape of Joe Burrow. What did it look like? I thought he was really good. Uh, I kind of talked about it when we did the immediate post game show about the one thing that I'm kind of waiting for. And I think that still stays, but I mean, some of it, it didn't feel too different from when I watched live, which is a little weird. Uh, I thought he processed well. I thought, you know, he made the right reads most of the time. I think that, you know, uh, I think most of these balls were accurate. It's just what, it wasn't too different. I, I, that was the one thing about it is just I had my feelings after watching the broadcast and it added some more context to like some of the things that were happening, some of the routes being run and whatever else and the coverages that they were facing. But it didn't really change the fact that Joe Burrow was making great decisions. He was accurate for the most part with the ball. He was able to drive the ball. He was able to push the ball down the field. He was able to scramble and get away from sacks. I think all of those things considered, you know, you're going to feel better about his calf. You're going to feel better about this team. You're going to feel better about his ability to throw the ball. All super important. And while there were definitely changes that this offense made this past week to really exploit the Cardinals defense, I still think the biggest change is just that the quarterback was awesome. And that's kind of your big, it, to me, it's not like Zach and Brian and everybody else completely changed the game. Like, you know, scrap the entire offense. You know, we need to get back to, we need to go try to do what Mike McDaniel is doing in Miami. Instead, they kind of stuck with their scheme and then went and, added a little bit of wrinkles to it, but it was still their same scheme. And the quarterback was just incredible versus playing at what he was like at a bottom five level before that. Yeah, it was, um, you know, early on when he took that first sack, I think a lot of Bengals fans, they were, they were so encouraged by it. just seeing Joe run around, jump over defenders and thinking that was my favorite sack that Joe Burrow has ever taken. Um, Electric. He was mobile again. And even Joe, he said after the game, he put on his Instagram, he said, uh, it's time to be mobile. I'm sure he was listening to a lot of people. Uh, can Joe get back there? Um, can, is he ever going to be mobile again this year? How's the calf feeling? And he told us after the game, I'm optimistic. This is the best I felt after a game. That was after the Titans game, had a good week of practice. And I agree with you. I think the biggest thing is, is Joe. And the good news is, not, I don't I wouldn't even say it's good news, but you 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 get this home game versus a very talented Seahawks team. And we'll get to that matchup on Thursday, what that looks like when it comes to preview and predictions. But if you can get over Sunday with no setbacks, you get that week of bye before the schedule gets really, really, really difficult. Um, and I just think getting a little glimpse of what the OG Joe Burrow looked like, the 2021, the 2022, uh, was very encouraging. I mean, just taking that shot after halftime. 
to down the field to Jamar Chase was incredible. Oh, yeah. Well, that was probably the first time in, that I have felt this way, but was it also the first time you felt like the offense wasn't boxed in? I think that was a bit like that's the first time they actually took that shot and hit it. And it felt like when he threw it, I was like, oh, like I, I got some excitement. I'm not nervous as much. Uh, it just felt like that was they have been so boxed in inside of like 15 yards that that shot just felt like it opened everything and the floodgates to the offense, even though they're already performing at a pretty good level. I think it opened up even more to uh, the passing game and being able to actually push the ball down the field, which is necessary in 2023. Yeah, I, I, that's very encouraging. And and I think we heard from a lot of Bengals fans when it comes to the play calling, take a shot downfield. If, if you say it's not affecting, you know, throwing the ball, your accuracy, and, and Joe said it, it wasn't uh, when it comes to his cap. And I, I think that that was extremely important to just take that shot when you have the talented wide receiver. But it was also a great throw by Joe Burrow. Uh, my favorite thing is, I, I want to say Jamar Chase said it after the game, that Joe came up to him and said, I didn't underthrow you there. Because uh, Jamar likes to joke with with Joe Burrow about, about him getting the ball in those deep shots. Um, and I just thought that was absolutely incredible. But one of the other things, you know, when you went back and you watched the tape with Joe Burrow, where would you put him at as far as a comparison to what we've seen in the past? So like a percentage? Yeah. 90. This is, well, I think I said 80 after the Ravens game, like before the re-aggravation. And now it feels more like 90. He's moving. He's <clears throat> he's extremely accurate. I think the consistency on some throws are, is the only thing that's getting me. And it was like I talked about, if you listen to the last episode, it's the out routes and be able to swing open or close your front leg, drive off the back foot and put that ball on the outside because he was able to do that plenty. They threw a ton of out routes in this game, speed outs, all these different types, but he left, I think I counted four inside and you can't do that. That's kind of like the worst thing you could do on an out route is leave it inside because that's look up a compilation of pick sixes and tell me how many of them are on the outside where the ball's a little too far inside and the corner, just catch it. And he's just, he's already going, he's gone and there's no catching up to him because he's breaking and running. He's hitting full speed as he catches that ball. Uh, that's what like the big no, no, he almost threw a pick on one. Uh, it's funny. He almost threw a pick on one that deserved to be picked. And then the pick he threw did not deserve to be picked. It was supposed to be a wrap in urban moving right in front of that guy, but he tripped on him and we could discuss, you know, illegal contact rules. <laughs> but anyway, just can't leave those out routes inside. And that's something he might do once a month. And he did what I, I counted four in that game. So that's the one thing that I think I'm looking for to move him from 90 into like 100% territory. Um, because even the scrambles, like they were awesome. I, I, they were about as good as prime burrow. And that's really encouraging for a lower leg injury. When he did the mic drop first down of the football, it felt like Joe Burrow was back when he just scrambled for the first down. That's just the Joe Mixon one, isn't it? Joe Mixon used to do that all the time. I, I, I loved it this. because that just felt like old school Joe Burrow. He's like, yep, yeah. I scrambled for the first down and we have a first down. Let's move along. And it just it 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 was it's just so exciting to to go back and, and, and think of that game. And obviously they have to build on that. You you have really tough competition coming up, even a few days from now when it when you face the Seattle Seahawks. But kind of just staying with this offense and you you went back and you watched the tape. Jamar Chase, 
Talk about how they used Jamar Chase on Sunday. They used them all over. Uh, some of it's new. I don't remember seeing so many 10-yard speed outs. And that, to me, is when you're making a speed cut, and it's a little bit different than a hard cut. It was funny. I got, like, some replies that were like, ah, you know, Jamar's not even really running that route very well. It's really rounded out. Like, people really think that routes need to be – here and then 90 degrees exact and whatever it's like sometimes you just want to threaten with speed and break out as fast as you can don't worry about setting down and breaking it perfectly 90 degrees if you end up making a little bit of curve and you come back to the ball perfectly fine that's you know that's real football (laughs) it's not all going to be as you draw it on a chalkboard so the speed out you sell speed you turn as quick as you can speed turn and then you get the ball. They ran a bunch of RPOs and they're called access RPOs. What it means is if I have access, I'll throw it. And the Cardinals were playing off a lot, which is like 10 yards off of the wide receivers because they're scared of this Jamar chase, specifically his speed. So you would go sell speed at about 10 yards, make that speed turn and then get the ball. And they threw that a whole bunch. Uh, I don't recall seeing that many before this week. And they did it mostly on the outside, but he also ran it from the number three spot, which is the most inside receiver in a trips formation. So he had two guys outside of him and he was the most inside guy. Usually that's a tight end, but the Bengals were putting chase there because it gets you an easy matchup. But you, a lot of times when a defense is going to play like quarters or some type of zone, you're going to get the safety on you. And I mean, a safety on Jamar Chase is that stealing candy baby situation (laughs) the the safety is the baby and uh jamar chase is stealing candy from him um just easy free 10 yards every time they obviously ran that deep post i don't think i've seen them run a deep post with him this year and they hit it at 63 yard touchdown i think maybe 62 i'm not 100 sure on the accuracy 63 yeah over 60 yard touchdown i think it was 59 through the air anyway yeah, long one. Um, so they had that go with it, moving him inside, moving him inside on trips, working deep, working these speed outs. They ran a couple screens, those access screens, just flip it out and make a miss, uh, make a guy miss. They've been doing that though, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And then the one last thing that they did that I thought was super cool was when they used them on a slide route. A slide route is when you sell play action one way and you have the receiver coming back the other way. Typically, that's a tight end and there's actually a tell. Because if the tight end is off of the ball, you know, behind the tackle, um, then you got to watch for that. I think there's actually a lot of defenses will actually point it out and kind of tap like that linebacker to that side. Like, hey, tight end's off the ball over there. Watch the slide route. But they put Jamar Chase on the ball. So he was on the line of scrimmage and tight. And then he had the ability, and this is really hard. He made it look really easy, so I don't think people cared that much. But he was able to go from on the ball to get behind the line and then work all the way across the field, hit top speed, and then catch the ball and work up the field. I thought that was really good design and a way to use Chase that I didn't even know he was that good at. Like I didn't know he could do that very well. I think it's the first time I've ever seen them do it with him, and it was a free 10 yards because they got the ball to him in space and the defense wasn't expecting it. You know, this kind of reminds me of last year when we talked about when Jamar Chase was out during that time and the offense had to get creative. Um, and obviously having a healthy Joe Burrow is is definitely key in that situation. You almost wonder if you, depending on how T. Higgins is feeling, um, I wouldn't be surprised if T. plays on Sunday. But if you can allow one more, two more extra weeks of rest before you face the 49ers coming out of your bye, 
um, you know, that would be key if you can move Jamar Chase around again. Obviously, the defense is going to be different when you face the Seattle Seahawks. But how does that work with the return of T? Do you still expect the Cincinnati Bengals, the offense corner, Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan to move Jamar Chase around on the field? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, they've been moving T a little bit. And really, T at this point, I think he's good enough on the inside and outside that you can use him and Chase interchangeably in spots. So let's say Chase is normally your outside type of receiver. That could just be T. And that normally is if they're going to do – they usually have them both outside. But, you know, like he could do that. He could do what Irwin did in this game at a higher level. Um, and he could do what Yossi Voss did in this game at a higher level too. I think of that back shoulder fade, uh, while Yossi Voss was very close. He did mm-hmm. not, I don't think, I don't think his feet were down. I think they're in the air, uh, maybe touching blades of grass. And then we can have a very existential talk of, does it have to be in the ground or if it's, t- if it is the we grass, the ground <laughs> type of situations, a turf, the ground. Um, but anyway, it wasn't really catch. I think T probably catches that and keeps his feet in bounds because he's just longer. Uh, yeah. I, I don't see why it would mess with this at all. I do think you may run into, you're not going to give Jamar chase 19 targets when T Higgins is also on the field uh, and the Seahawks defense. I think that they may have the ability to slow down Jamar chase a little bit better than the Cardinals were able to. So you might want a T Higgins on the field where if they're going to cloud that side, which you know cover two to that side, Maybe they're going to play – I haven't looked too in-depth at the Seahawks defense, but maybe that means they play quarters on the other side, and that's isolation coverage to me. That means T might be one-on-one with a corner. Maybe it's Tariq Woolen, who's a heck of a corner, or their young guy, Devon Witherspoon, who's – I think he's having a good year, a mm-hmm. uh, good rookie year especially. Um, but I trust T again in those matchups, so I would think about going that way. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think, I think that T, in theory – this should work even better. Now, I just do think also when this goes to practice, we may run into the issue of the Cardinals defense is bad. It is. Even though I think outside of the defense, Joe Burr looked really good. Jamar Chase looked really good. The scheme stuff, the usage should be sustainable. We also have to acknowledge that this Cardinals defense is bad. Their best player on Sunday may have been Dennis Gardeck. And um, I, I'm not sure how many people knew who that was, although he did almost get a sack and should have gotten a sack on Orlando Brown. So we'll stay with the offense right now. Speaking of, uh, well, I'm going to actually go stay with wide receivers. Uh, Trent Irwin and Yoshi, when it comes to the depth and guys stepping up, and, and I hope T. Higgins can return for this game. And obviously Zach Taylor and the staff and trainers, they're going to take it easy. They manage injuries. Very well. We, we've noticed that over the last few seasons. So I don't think they're going to rush T out there. If he doesn't feel like he can go, but it did feel kind of closer to a game time, 24 hour decision if he was going to play versus Arizona. And it really seems like a pain tolerance. If T can go uh, again, they get back to practice tomorrow. I still don't expect him to go out there. If he is maybe a limited basis, you want to definitely take it easy with that. Uh, but overall, when it comes to other guys stepping up, Trent Irwin and, and even Yoshi, I felt like he had, a, he had an okay game when they needed him, stepped up. Uh, but overall, when you went back and you watched the tape, what did you think about the the wide, other wide receivers? Yeah, I thought Irwin was dependable and solid. It kind of also, that's what Boyd is and was mm-hmm. in this game. But Irwin, it just to me showed why they have so much trust and faith in him to be able to just look at him and go, okay, like, you know, tease out. 
And as an outside receiver, you're our next best option. You're our next best option. I know people were very excited about UFC Voss. And I think UFC Voss did some good stuff, and we'll talk about it. But I just think that when you look at Irwin, it's just like that guy is dependable. Like he can go in there and give you a solid performance on the outside. And I don't think any of the rookies are going to really give you that right now just because they're so young and green, yeah. raw, whatever. Yossi uh, Voss, though, they used him in an interesting way to me, especially early on. Uh, he was kind of into the Stanley Morgan role. They ran what's called GF counter. Uh, whenever you're talking about the counter types, it's usually just whoever's pulling. That's your name. <laughs> it's whoever kicks out. That's the first part. G guard. And the next person is F in this case is the uh, what a lot of people call the slot, uh, the adjuster, the F. And Yoshi Vaz was reduced down. He's still the F. I don't consider him a Y, which would be the tight end. So GF counter. And they ran... That it actually didn't work out perfect, although it ended up being a solid gain. But I was like, oh, okay. So like they're just trusting Yoshivas to lead up through the hole, like pull and lead through the hole. Like that's 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 Stanley Morgan stuff. They trust him to block a lot in this game, and he did a pretty good job at it, especially for a rookie. Uh, I think it made sense why they may move on. They may have moved on from Stanley Morgan. They just like what Yossi Vaz is doing blocking wise. And they know that he can give them more juice as a wide receiver. The body control stuff showed up also a little bit of the, the bobbling showed up, but we, his first ever catch wasn't reviewed. It was a catch. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> was, was it being bobbled out of bounds? The refs didn't care. They, they said no. And I, I'm not saying it wasn't a catch. I'm saying that if that went to review, I don't know what would have happened, like 50-50 call. So I'm just mm -hmm. glad he got his first catch in this game. Um, showed off the body control. I do think he showed off the athleticism. There's actually a play, and it's not part of Burrow's read unless he really loves the matchup. But Yoshiva smoked the corner, and it could have been a big touchdown. Like, Man, uh, any time touchdown for Yoshi would have been. It would have been. It was early on, too. It was one of the first passes. And I'm like, I know Burrow probably just saw that. And I'm like, I'm not going to hang on my on the sixth-round rookie too long on this play. So he kind of like glances over, doesn't see him win right away, and moves on because that's what that progression tells him to do. If it's Jamar Chase, he hangs on that. He goes, okay, you know, like he didn't win right away, but what about right now type of situation? Or even if it's T. Uh, but when it's not those guys on the outside, he, he kind of glanced, looked like, ah, he didn't win right away. It's fine. Or I didn't get press coverage, uh, so I'm not going to throw that. But if you watch the play, he burns the guy deep um, and could have been cool. Could have been a cool big touchdown. He moved on and it actually ended up being thrown away, which is the real sad part because everything mm. else was kind of covered. <laughs> like the one thing they didn't cover was Yossi Vaz, but he couldn't. He didn't hang on it long enough to throw it, uh, and the coverage didn't tell him to throw it. So I thought he showed the athleticism, the body control, and his ability to block. And those are going to be things that make him into a role-playing receiver for this team, at least for the time being. Like, he can play a role and even sub in for, for these guys when they go out and when they don't want Irwin. I think if they actually – it would have – twofold on the flea flicker one i think if yoshi Voss is out there he might he might be able to catch that because he's faster than Irwin. two 
it actually feels like it sells the run play more to me because you've been using Yossi Vaz as a blocker the whole game. So asking him to go up and dig out the safety, that seems absolutely plausible in this situation of like, you've been asking him to do that type of stuff all the game. So he just runs at the safety as he's going to block him, runs up and past him, and maybe that sells it even more. And it's a real wide open touchdown. Um, but hey, that's a wrinkle maybe for the next time they <laughs> are going to use Yossi Vaz heavily. Zach Taylor, if you're listening to this podcast. He Dude. listened to me. He listened to me for last year. There was so much stuff that I've been talking about. Dude, I'm I'm convinced. Zach Taylor, look, you don't have to tell us, but if you are listening to this podcast, please do the flea flick flicker with Yoshi in the next two games. I mean, maybe, how- maybe you skip it this week and you save it for San Francisco. I mean, if could you imagine Yoshi get, get the game flicker. winner versus San Francisco on a flea flicker? That I'm also be- a little nervous that they're going to go line up the flea flicker and Mixon goes to pass back and Nick Bosa's just hitting Joe Burrow before the ball gets there or something. Nick, Joe's your friend. Be nice. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely terrified about that matchup and I don't want to think Stay about it. for the Bills game. I'll be in attendance, Zach. Dude, Sunday night football. Sunday night yeah, football. Sunday night they're undefeated in prime time at home in the last few years. That would be. They've got some secondary be. injuries. They might not see this coming. Ooh, Zach. So if you're listening, you know, in the next three games, in the next three, four-ish games, we're going to see this happen. Please do it. I think it would be awesome. I love it now. I'm all in. Use Yoshi. Uh, but we'll go ahead and uh, one more thing with the offense, and then we're moving to defense. I'm so sorry, defense. But uh, offense line, just some quick thoughts. Okay, uh, Alex Kappa was really, really good in pass protection. I don't think he was as good blocking, uh, run blocking, but in pass protection, I thought this was a dominant day from him. I know it's not a high-level opponent. We already talked about the ability of the Cardinals' defense, but when it came to stunts and stuff, he passed them off well, which you can't exactly say about the center and left guard. Uh, in this game, they gave up a sack and maybe two sacks on just stunts when they were able to get them manned up and also a pressure on another one. So. They need to get that sorted, but Alex Kappa and Ted Kara sometimes and Orlando or Orlando and Jonah Williams sometimes, they're all able to work those stunts. Uh, and I think a lot of that was him. So kudos to Alex Kappa in pass protection for having a really good day. Uh I think other than that, it was, you know, we're back to back Orlando Brown, not terrible games. Mm-hmm. I want that to be stated because I think some people see the pressure and they kind of go like, oh man, he must have sucked. Like most of the time, Orlando Brown's doing fine. It's just he already sets kind of short because he's not overly athletic. And he actually wants guys to try to win around the outside against him. Um, but he gave up that big, you know, Dennis Gardeck one where he smoked him around the corner uh, by shorting it, by taking that jab inside and working back outside. And then there were a few other plays when Joe Burrow got sacked eventually on that one play that started with. Even Orlando Brown and Jonah Williams pressure, but they both lost. And then the one where he does like the little whirly bird goes up the half pipe, does the 900, whatever you want to say, the 360 no scope uh, to avoid the rusher. That was an Orlando Brown guy. So it's a little bit frustrating that you're paying that guy, you know, what he is. And he is a good player and he's just had some lapses the past couple weeks. You hope that gets kind of shored up. That's also. It's also a little bit been the Orlando Brown experience and why Chiefs fans are all been out of shape about him leaving. Like, oh, he's not actually good because like, you could find some plays like that. He's he's a good player. 
I just I don't think he's nobody in the Bengals organization may be off season level hype <laughs> to the fans where it was like Orlando Brown's a top three tackle. It's like, okay, now that we're back to reality <laughs> and Chase Brown is not going for a thousand yards this year. Uh, I think we could talk about Orlando Brown is a good left tackle, even if he's not on the level of like Trent Williams, Teron Armstead and all of those type of guys. You know what think- I'm enjoying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Folsom one of, was better too. Uh, just the communication and mental processing stuff was the issue. When he faces an opponent like the Cardinals interior, he doesn't really struggle too much. I don't mm-hmm. think, you know, it's one of those signs of he's not he's not the worst left guard of all time or anything, even if he loses to Aaron Donald, because in these matches, he more than holds his own. I'd be interested in Seattle, though, with Draymond Jones, and if he can hold his own there or at least make that a back and forth battle. We will see what that looks like. Um, and hopefully we'll get a little bit more encouragement on the Bolson side. But, um, you know, I, I do love seeing Jonah Williams at right tackle because now I, I, I'm listening to fans and I love the support because I said this is the best case scenario that Jonah Williams works out at right tackle. They're saying, well, well wait a minute. Maybe they can bring Jonah Williams back. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't expect <laughs> to hear that already. Um, but I, we said it on the pod. The best thing that can happen is we're having these discussions in the, in the middle of the season that Jonah Williams is performing well at right tackle. Um, and he's been, he's been, he's been pretty good, right? You would feel. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's been pretty good. I mean, even in the games that people were upset with him, I was like, he's doing fine. I'm like, this isn't bad. He's just facing miles Garrett or something like that. Uh, I mean, it is what it is uh, right now. I, right now, Jonah Williams does have the higher PFF score than Orlando Brown, and I know there were a lot of fights this offseason about Jonah Williams even being a worthy starter at right tackle. I think he's been more than fine in this past game. Again, pass protection, solid. I think in the run game, he had some misses, and they were unfortunate because some of them happened on plays I wanted them not to happen, a.k.a pistol <laughs> he missed on the wide zone and ruined it i was like the pistol efficiency is going to be bad but i still want them to keep running this mm-hmm. uh just because it makes sense um and the, also just unfortunate of when they run that shotgun wide zone it's so hard to cut that to the backside c gap and he kind of like launched his guy he didn't exactly lose the rep but he ended up launching his guy into joe mixon because mixon can't cut it all the way back around him and it's like one of those things of you just have to have that talk of like, I, I can't get to your backside when we're doing this from the shotgun because it's just such a hard angle. I can't stop and get back there. So you can't like slingshot the guy forward and create a hole on the backside for me. Um, anyway, that's a long way of just saying like, yeah, I thought Jenna Williams was pretty good in this game. And overall this year, I've been happy with his performance at right tackle. I think it's up there with what his best year was 2021. I think this is up there with that. I think uh, we'll take that and run with it. We'll go ahead and flip to the defensive side right now. I'm going to start with Trey Hendrickson. How did you feel about Trey? I mean, he was awesome. He was just awesome. Uh, <laughs> what he faced, I think, a good or at least solid left tackle in DJ Humphreys, an interesting left tackle for sure. I think he's um, unique, but he's a solid left tackle, and he got two, at least two clean sacks on him. And that's hard to do. So kudos to him for winning a matchup where he had probably a slight advantage. But after, you know, like he didn't fully take advantage of the Patrick McCarry one, I wanted to see a matchup like this. And he dominated, you know, dominate a matchup where you on paper are like the slight advantage. And we saw that. And next week, 
not to look too far ahead, but you know, Charles Cross could be back. That could be a fun matchup. Um, Cross was pretty good his rookie year. He was injured coming back. Kendra Anderson take advantage of it again. I kind of think of him as like another solid left tackle right now because he's young. I don't think he's up in that good tier just yet. Let's talk about the rookies because there's been a lot of conversation. We'll start with the safety position right now. Jordan Battle, Nick Scott. It felt like at some point in the second half, there was a little bit of a benching of Nick Scott, but obviously he went back on the field too. When you think of the two players, how do you feel and, and how do you see this really turning out defensively for, for the safety position? I think Jordan Battle's really mature for being a rookie. And I think he I think he's solid, uh fine, solid somewhere in that. I think he's a if you placed him in there in a vacuum, I think he might be around Nick Scott level. Um, I also do think though that right now Nick Scott might be the better fit next to Dax Hill because the way they're using Dax Hill a lot of this game, although they have been leaning a little bit further away from Dax Hill in the box and in the slot and kind of letting him be the deep safety. And I don't know if that's for a Jordan battle transition. Who knows? Um, Nick Scott is just, I've been a truther. I've been fine with him. I still think he's fine. He's just missing too many tackles. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wonder how many that he's listed with. I'm going to look that up while I talk, but I think in coverage, he gets scapegoated as like, man, like everybody just any play that happens. It's like, Oh, freaking nick scott man it's like that wasn't his fault what do you mean it's like he was somewhere in the area not everything that happens is his fault sometimes fans get that way pro football reference only charred him with three missed tackles so far this year but it it felt like more than that it feels like seven it feels like he's at like at least one a game if not more um I, i just that's the biggest issue for me and then the cardinals were trying to really pound the rock so it did make sense a little bit to switch to Jordan Battle in terms of Jordan Battle's, you know, he might not be the same range in coverage. He may not, you know, process as quickly in coverage, but what he will give you is more sure tackling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was a really good blitzer in this game. He played a limited role for the most part, except one drive where he played a lot, but then that drive ended up being a lot of run plays that he didn't really get to be involved in. So it's interesting. I think it's something to look for going forward. I don't think they're going to make the switch this week, um, but maybe they are gearing for a bi-week switch. That feels scary, though, putting it, but it also might make sense. But it feels scary to put him in there against San Francisco because that feels so much like Kyle Shanahan's going to get the microscope out, put it on Jordan Battle in his first career start, and go after him. But it also feels like hey, you got to stop a Niners run game and you can't miss tackles. So maybe you yeah. have to put battle in there to make the tackles against Debo and McCaffrey. What's been up with the missed tackles? Because it just doesn't remind me of a, a Lou Anarumo defense. Yeah, because it's not just Nick Scott, right? Like Logan Wilson's mm-hmm. missing tackles and guys in the backfield, like defensive linemen are missing tackles and Mike Hilton's missing tackles and Cam Taylor Britt missed a couple of tackles in this game. It just doesn't – DJ Turner did miss a tackle in this game. Like everybody's missing tackles. It's it's weird. I, I don't exactly know because this team has been so good at tackling uh, in Lou Anarumo's time at least the past two years – it's it's concerning, uh, and I don't really know if it gets fixed. I hope it does, but that is one of those things of you kind of watch and you go, man, that's bizarre that a Lou Anarumo defense and there's so many missed tackles. It's kind of wild. We we look at the defensive performance because I think a lot of people could look at it one way: glass half full, glass half empty. But when you have the turnovers you do, you get pick sixes. 
get it. You, you pick up a fumble, you get an interception. It's, it's so hard to criticize the defense because they had a lot of good moments too. Um, and I know, again, it's the Arizona Cardinals. I, I, I get reminded that daily uh, when I hype up how the offense and the defense, you know, bounce back obviously in the second half, but overall uh, on the defensive side, I want to stay with rookies, DJ Turner, to be determined if Cheeto is going to be able to go for the Seattle Seahawks game. But DJ Turner has been uh, involved quite a bit on the defensive side. I think he was awesome. I think he was the best corner in this game. I mean, uh, he maybe the best defensive back in this game. I think he was awesome. He not only showed what he was good at in college, the athleticism. I think he's just, as in terms of movement at the cornerback position, he feels like the prototype in terms of his uh, fluidity and his speed. He showed the recovery speed. He showed fluidity in this game. He showed his intelligence and zone coverage in this game and his technique. And then also he answered questions that I think people had in the draft coming out, which would be run support and the ability to tackle. Uh, he had a, a few stops in this game. He made some vice tackles with Jermaine Pratt. That means Pratt inside him, outside. They worked together to make the tackle. Uh, he made a couple run-stop tackles that run right at him. And the biggest one was that there was uh, on the James Conner run where it felt like he was in a football movie and he was like the star of the football movie. He hit every move in the world. He hit all the buttons on the PlayStation controller. Uh, T.J. Turner ended up making that play. And he was the backside corner, so the furthest possible guy from that play, and he sprints all the way over, and he's able to take out Connor's legs from underneath him and make that stop. So there's a lot to like about him in this game. I think there's a couple plays you could look at as like room for improvement, but overall, mm -hmm. I was super impressed with DJ Turner in this game. Yeah, I think it's huge for the future uh, because it's the last year of Cheeto's deal. And you already have Cam Taylor, but under contract and to be able to hit on DJ Turner and who knows, um, you know, I, I would still say cornerback is, is a need for this team when you look in the off season and, and in the NFL draft, but for now to have that with DJ Turner is very encouraging. Anything else you want to say on the defensive side before I hit on one more thing before we wrap up this pod? Um, I mean, Cam Taylor, a, a little bit up and down, but awesome that he got that pick six. And I think it was a hard pick six to get because of the, what the coverage was actually asking of him and what he was reading. It was a really good play. Where the coverage was asking him to be a deep half dropper, but he saw the quarterback use quick game footwork. So instead of dropping deep, which is covering grass, he stuck tight and the ball ends up being inaccurate. He's able to pick it off and turn it for a pick six. I think that was really cool. That was awesome. Um, I thought that... DJ Reader had a good game, which is, you know, not even worth mentioning <laughs> every week, but I will. DJ Reader, the week. Skyline Cup right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. I hope they still have the Skyline in a few weeks <laughs> uh, so I can go get one. But, um, yeah, he was awesome, as always. Uh, BJ Hill had some good pass rush stuff, and that could be really useful going forward because that's something they've been lacking from the interior and in general they're lacking from a secondary pass rusher uh it's worth noting osai played a bit but they really used him inside as a pass rusher and that just that's not his calling card even though they keep trying it just because they don't take hendrickson and hubbard off the field very much uh when hendrickson hubbard did leave the field during garbage time uh we saw i thought I thought there were three different Miles Murphy plays where you could see a little bit of flash of something if you're looking. Uh, there's one play where he kind of gets stopped, but then makes a late spin at the end and finishes it with the ice pick. The ice pick is when you take your elbow and you put it in the, 
the back of their head neck area to really disengage from that spin i thought that was like oh okay so like is that something he can get to when he's facing guys one-on-one or is that something that he's developing i don't know is you know we're good we're seeing and then he also just dominated the tight end on one run play where uh the tight end basically had no effect on him and he made the stop either for no gain one yard or a loss i'm not sure which but it was a it was a really good play so i think i think personally I think some people don't feel this way. I think Miles Murphy's flashing enough that I feel pretty good. I, I mean, he's got the one sack, and what was our over under? Like, if he hits like three? four sacks, we feel great. Three sacks, we feel pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, he's on pace for that. I think in limited snaps, he every time he gets on the field, uh, they seem to ask him to drop into coverage once, which you know. That tells me nothing for the future, <laughs> but uh, I want to see him rush the passer. I want to see him defend the run. Um, but I, I think he's flashing a little bit here and there. I think it's worth noting that he's not – if you just listen to some Bengals fans, I think, you would think Miles Murphy is like – anytime he sees the field, it's like he's got no idea what's going on. He's just getting blown up left and right. It's like, no, he, he's actually doing solid and he's flashing. So I feel pretty good. I think it's more on schedule than ahead of schedule because he still Mm -hmm. seems very raw to me. But I think he's right on schedule for where I, and I was fairly high on him, uh, where he should be right now. Just think about it. They're five games in right now. And you think of all the defensive impact the rookies are having. When Charlie Jones was healthy, it felt very encouraging as a punt returner. And I'm really excited to see what he can do the back half of the season. I want to go to special teams right now. Brad Robbins, people were pretty critical of him early on. It seems like he's kind of bouncing back just a little bit. And look, I don't want I don't want Brad to punt. I don't want him on the field. I want them to score every single drive. But when Brad Robbins is out there, it feels like he's having a little bit of a bounce back from field for field yeah. position. This is something that the punter analytics guys, the punt runs on Twitter pointed out, is that good punters, even good punters in their rookie year, struggle. You know, it's just for whatever reason, People don't talk about it because it's punting, but uh, rookie punters struggle. They just struggle with, you know, some changes in the ball, some changes in punt scheme. There's no longer, nobody does that like rugby college style punt in the NFL. Uh, It's just such a quick process because of the speed of the game. Um, And sometimes guys struggle at putting that together. And it feels like Robbins is maybe kind of piecing that together and be able to work it now. Uh, I think that we should not have written him off, which I don't think I did, but you know, like yeah. people don't write him off after a few bad games. He's going to be a little up and down his rookie year. It's about finishing with maybe more good weeks than bad weeks. Yeah. So that's uh that's everything for win number two for the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll have a preview show on Thursday. Look ahead to Bengals back home, sweet home versus the Seattle Seahawks. I know you have fantastic work, not only on your Twitter page, but what's up on all Bengals. Hopefully, by the time you're listening, I will have an article up on DJ Turner's game because I was really impressed. I think fans will be very encouraged and excited to read that. DJ Turner, one of the really fun rookies in the Bengals 2023 draft class. Thank you, as always. Make sure you're following along Bengals underscore Sand. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.